Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's Jurassic Pod. I'm Eric Corrine from my sick den. Uh, yes, I have. I have caught the old bug. COVID-19 in 2022. What a world. Uh, but I'm here. If you hear me coughing, if you hear me sucking on a candy, I'm sorry, guys, but I need to bring the fresh hot content to you, no matter how in the dumps I might be trying to bring the energy level up. She's got, you know, she's been waiting for her opportunity, working on her game, <laughs> and now she's stepping into a bigger role. Hopefully she doesn't fall flat like Chris Boucher in the in the, wow. in the Cleveland game when the Raptors only had four wow. Raptors. It's Holly McKenzie. Holly, no, no big deal. All the pressure is on you, though. How are you? Oh, wow. I love that I'm coming into this blind and... Uh learning about all the pressure I have. No, it's it's important you know, yes. Well, I do. (laughs) We all know that I perform so well under pressure. I do not. Uh, um, Obviously, hope you're feeling better. I'm sorry that you are sick, and I appreciate you toughing toughing it out for us today. Yeah, I'm a gamer. Um, You are a gamer. A gamer in that I I am not leaving my house except to walk my dog. Um, (coughs) but, But I will try to get this content out for you and hopefully uh my brain or my cough do not interfere too much but guys i could go for a nap i'm not gonna lie to you but before i nap uh we should talk about the toronto raptors and uh we were very excited about the prospect last time we talked the prospect of quote unquote making it uh and now we're Mm -hmm. here and i'm a little Mm -hmm. less excited um but (laughs) but that's just me we don't have to, uh, you know, make my mood everybody's mood. Uh, the Raptors finished the season going 48 and 34. Uh, since we last talked, uh, they beat Atlanta, beat Philadelphia in a game we will talk about. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, if not directly, mm-hmm. we will talk about as it relates to the series that's coming up. Uh, beat Houston, uh, and then, uh, without Fred Van Vliet or Pascal Siakam or, uh, and just a little bit of OG Ananobi, uh, who returned from a, a few game absence, five five game absence, I believe. They lost to the New York Knicks in a game that had no meaning for anybody. Uh, so they finished the year forty eight and thirty four, finished fifth as Holly McKenzie. What was that, Eric? Where, where did uh, they I, I was I was about to segue to you being correct, <laughs> and you you uh, you really you blew it for yourself there. Uh, I was gonna give <laughs> I was gonna give you credit without you asking, and now you have asked. I don't mind asking. Yes, you did predict that they would finish fifth. (laughs) I did not. I predicted, uh, I believe, I didn't predict a place, but I predicted they would lose in the play-in. Um, and uh, didn't you also predict at the beginning of the season? Didn't you predict they could finish between six and eleven? I think I said fifth and thirteenth. To be fair, fifth, <laughs> fifth, okay, even wider net. Uh, yeah, yeah, amazing. So we got in there. I, I caught it's <laughs> it's the, that's why the net's so big. Holly, it catches most things. <laughs> um, so the Raptors finished fifth. They'll play Philadelphia mm-hmm. in the first round. We're going to spend most of the time of this podcast talking about that, but um. Anything stand out from the final four games of the year or, or just wrapping up the season in general? Uh, what are your what are your thoughts uh, yeah, before we get into um, the playoffs of it all? I, I can't remember what we thought they were going to go over those final three games. I think maybe we thought they would lose to the Hawks. I think I called two. I know. I called two and two and you either called two and two or three and one. I think I called three and one, but I did not think the Knicks game would be the game 
Yeah. That they would lose. But hey, they didn't play a lot of yeah, people. Yeah, we figured it's if fine. the Knicks game mattered, they would probably mm-hmm. try. Um, although it's impossible to say whether they considered fifth or sixth place mattering. Uh, anyway, this is now water under <clears throat> under the bridge. Uh, they did go three and one. Yeah, obviously the the story would be their matchup, their game against the Sixers. <laughs> I think everyone was watching that to see how that would go, and uh, it went quite well for the Raptors. Yeah, in my regular season, uh, end of regular season awards, I uh, I always one of the categories is best individual performance by a Raptor. <laughs> And uh, just so we know, that's Holly coughing and not the one who's uh, near death over here. Uh, I am not. I'm fine. Um, I called Pascal Siakam's performance in that game the best individual performance Mm -hmm. by a Raptor this year. 37 points, 10 rebounds, 12 a career high. No, not a career high. (laughs) Almost a career high. 12 assists. Uh, He was awesome. He got a little bit yep. of everybody except for Matisse, Matisse Thibel, which we'll also get into. But he fried Tobias Harris. He, mm. um, when Joel Embiid was guarding him, he, uh, this year, this is not for the game, but this year he had eight assists and no turnovers on possessions where, uh, uh, Embiid was guarding him. So obviously dragging Embiid a bit away from the rim and allowing Siakam, not that he didn't score with Embiid on him. But allowing Siakam to operate even more as a playmaker uh, didn't hinder his efficiency as a playmaker, which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. He was awesome. And I think that, you know, beyond holding uh, Embiid to 10, holding, quote unquote, to 10 for 22 (laughs) shooting after they held him to 6 for 20 shooting in the last matchup, that's the headline is that Siakam found a way to contribute, found a number of ways to contribute to, and mm-hmm. again, what I would call the best all-around performance by a Raptor this year. Yeah, no, he was incredible. And I feel like we've seen this building, like, as the season has gone on. He's been really good the whole season, if we're being honest. But especially the past, like, two months, maybe post-All-Star, uh, just watching, he seems to just be adding more and more to his game night to night. Like he's not doing one thing one night and then another the next. It's like he just keeps adding things. <laughs> the meme with uh is it the rock holding the huge the huge bag? The meme where it's like I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you're bag. talking okay, about. Okay, never mind. This always happens when I try to reference memes sorry. to you. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> no, it's fine. It's fine. I think it is the rock. <laughs> it's, pro- it's probably the rock. He's uh pretty memeable. Uh, yeah, he is. Anyway, that's Pascal because he just keeps adding to the bag. <laughs> uh, no, he was amazing. And I think especially looking at that game, but looking at this series, not that we want to jump too far ahead, um, with with Fred managing some things <laughs> that he's been managing with his knee injury, um, Pascal being a playmaker helps in that regard, but also anytime you're able to bring Embiid a bit away from the basket is gonna gonna really help things for the Raptors. So yeah, kind of a crazy preview. Crazy. It seems like the NBA schedule always works out serendipitously, whether it's to give a preview preview of a playoff matchup or whether it's the trade deadline and there's trades and then somehow the first game after the trade deadline is featuring the two teams that made a big trade like the nba schedule always gives (laughs) yes it it knows the future um although i would have liked a little heads up from it on the last three years um but so it goes yeah (laughs) Uh, so overall takeaways on this season uh and i promise we will get into the playoff series right after this um what i felt the most is that this team just became so much more comfortable in its own skin as the season mm-hmm. went along. And that doesn't mean at moments it didn't look very chaotic, and it doesn't mean it was a straight line of progress. But you you saw them flipping from zone to, you know, different types of zones, to strict men, to strict different to different types of coverages on on pick and rolls or on on trapping star players. And you saw them able to do it within a quarter or within even a few possessions. And obviously that's how Nick Nurse wants to play aggressively and Mm -hmm. unpredictably. 
And to oversimplify things, they weren't able to do it effectively as the season goes uh, started. But as it went on, they just got progressively stronger at that. <laughs> I, I think finishing, I, I want to say, eighth in defense, uh, dating uh, arbitrary starting point here. But after the Cleveland game that I mentioned uh, in the opening where <clears throat> they didn't have a team, uh, they after that <laughs> point, they ranked eighth in the league in, in defense, which is, you know, sort of where... You thought, I thought they would end up for the season. They obviously didn't quite get there. Um, but that's a huge key. Like that, their identity just became so much more apparent after mm -hmm. the, as the season went on. Yeah. And the identity that the Raptors obviously wanted this team to have, even when you look at the type of players that they have been hoarding <laughs> on this roster and the things that they could do with that defensive identity, I think that. Like you said, it wasn't always, I don't even want to say it wasn't always pretty. It was ugly <laughs> sometimes watching this team during stretches of this season. Uh, but all of those, you know, bad moments and growing pains or whatever were necessary to get them, you know, to where they are today. And you mentioned that, that Cleveland game. And my God, this season has felt like many seasons sandwiched into one. Oh, yeah, that was, that feels like that was a very long time ago. But yeah, I think that the identity is there and I think that they are comfortable with it. Um, and they're going to need to really <laughs> like depend on that identity in, in this, uh, this yeah. Series so let's talk about it. Raptors Sixers, uh, for the mm -hmm. first time since 2019, uh, the third time these two teams have played in the playoffs, uh, and, each of them have come down to a final shot in Game 7. So, yeah, should should be fun. <laughs> if the first two are <laughs> any indication. Uh, let's just quickly go over the season series here. Uh, on November 11th in Philadelphia, neither Joel Embiid nor Pascal Siakam played. The Raptors won 115-109, a game that culminated with Fred Van Vliet's <clears throat> Sam Cassell imitation. Uh, in <laughs> December 28th, so the start of the first game after that Cleveland game, uh, the Sixers won in a, I don't think it was an empty, but a only partial capacity mm -hmm. uh, arena, 114-109. It was Embiid's best offensive game. He dominated, but also weirdly, the Sixers were a minus four in the minutes that he played, which was the complete opposite of the um of the final two games in which uh, the raptors won both by 5 90 uh, 93 to 88 and 119 to 114 uh, the latter being the game we just discussed and in both of those games Embiid's like own offensive like his offensive efficiency was either so-so or, or straight up bad for him um that's not to say he didn't put up numbers but it was just harder than usual and yet the Sixers won his num his minutes quite comfortably, and they lost uh, the very few minutes. I think eleven minutes in each case, uh, in each game that he didn't play. By uh, I think it was by thirteen and fifteen um, in, in different cases, in the two different cases, and that of course was the story of the two thousand nineteen series. Embiid did not score efficiently. The Sixers still dominated when he played and absolutely fell apart when he didn't play. Uh, so let's talk about the Joel Embiid of it all. And I think a natural <laughs> place to start is with a question we got from uh, a listener, from Ali Abassi. He says, is there any chance of Precious Achua starting considering he's been Embiid's best defender? And if so, who would he <clears throat> replace in the starting lineup? Yeah, uh, I do think there's a chance of that. Um, I don't know if they would do that from the jump. Do you think that that's something that Nick Nurse would do to start? Or do you think that's more of a like, if game one, game two, whatever, doesn't, if we don't get the start that we want, we will, we will look into switching that. If I had to bet, so... Every time the Raptors will just use starting five because whenever they were, uh, whenever all five players were available, Van Vliet, Trent, Ananobi, Siakam, and Barnes were available, he started them in every game uh, together. 
and all but one half, I believe, in the Minnesota mm. game to uh, deal with Carl Anthony Towns. They started uh, Precious Achua in the second half, bringing Scotty Barnes off the bench. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and, and all of those guys, uh, individuals, started every game except for Gary Trent, who did not <coughs> start in the uh, in the season opener against Washington, coming off the bench, we all remember, for mm-hmm. Goran Dragic. Um, <laughs> oh, wow. Again, this it's, season, it's been a, it has yeah. been long. <laughs> um, so my guess right now is that Nurse goes with the five that he's mm-hmm. gone to uh, when he's had them available. But I don't feel strongly about it. Uh, today, Nick Nurse said, you know, obviously wasn't revealing his starting lineup. He said that there are good reasons uh, to maybe start either Precious or Kem Birch. I almost think Kem Birch is maybe slightly more likely to start just because Nurse loves, he said it outright, he loves having Boucher, Boucher and Achua and, together and, yeah. uh, to come off the bench. Do you love that? Would Would you prefer Precious over Kem um, of those two? So I would prefer Precious. Uh, yeah. I, I understand wanting to have some sense of normality with those guys coming <laughs> yeah. off the bench. And honestly, if you're using Ken Birch, it's more of a three or four minute thing. Let him pick up the first few fouls that Embiid draws. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and then you start rotating into your normal uh, lineups. But I think the playoffs become so important and every minute becomes so important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh that I'm not necessarily sure if there's a series that Ken Birch belongs, that's probably this one, but I'm not positive he belongs in a playoff series for the Raptors right now. So I think you got to go with your players who have been most productive for the most part. I think Precious has been a very good defender on Joel Mm -hmm. Embiid while keeping in mind that he's not doing it alone and they send all sorts of different looks and schemes and, uh, defenders at him. It's not just a Chua, but he certainly has, if not the strength, the athleticism and the quickness to uh, to deal with everything that he can do, uh, that Embiid can do on on the on the floor. So, uh, yeah. Long story short, I think they'll use the normal starting five to start. I would put it at like maybe sixty forty. I think <laughs> it's it's probably Scotty Barnes who's the most likely to come off the bench. How about you? I think, I think I agree with that. I definitely agree with um, thinking that if this change does happen, it's, it's more likely to happen after a game. You know what I mean? Like after Nick sees how his normal starting five works. Um, I think he, I didn't hear his quotes today, on the availability they had today. But I do think it's clear that he does really like that Boucher precious um, duo, like coming in together off the bench. Uh, So if he could keep that, um, especially because in this series, I mean, well in in any game, but especially in a series, as you said, with every minute mattering so much, the Raptors bench (laughs) has had, you know, it's, it's issues this season. So when you have two pieces that really work well together, um, I think that he would like to keep that. Uh, But it's interesting because hearing you say that he seemed more open to it, like hearing you say you're 60-40 for game one, like to stick with the starting five, that now has me kind of second guessing because I'm wondering what you heard that's having you be 60-40 because I would have thought, I would have assumed that it would be starting five for game one, see how it goes and adjust if needed. Obviously with the playoffs, you're going to make adjustments much faster. So, you know, uh, that could be as quickly as game two <laughs> or the second yeah, half, half of game half one. Two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know, like you just, you do have to. Um, but now that you're saying that it almost has me second guessing myself and thinking that maybe he will just come out and start um, precious. I don't know. Precious has just been such a good defender on Joel. And I mean, you say, you say someone's been great on Joel and that means, you know, <laughs> Joel's merely been great and not, like yeah, the, the way I put it, <laughs> so uh, we're sort of going to take this point by point here, but in uh, I, I wrote an article, I, I tend to do this, 
uh, before playoff series. Subscribe I, to The Athletic. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> I wrote about the Raptors' roadmap to an upset in this series. And my first point, which we've talked about unintentionally, is that the Raptors make Joel Embiid be all-star good, not MVP good. Yeah, um, yeah like not, yeah. Yeah, and like his num You're not going to stop him. <laughs> his numbers this year against the Raptors were 29 points, 11.3 rebounds, 2.7 assists per game with a shooting percentage of 58.6. Uh, that, sure. That, that's in 36 <laughs> minutes. And his numbers for the year... Um, in 34 minutes per game, were 30.6 points, 11.7 rebounds, 4.2 assists. So there's a massive difference in assists. That's almost yeah. where the biggest yeah. uh, difference is, and a true shooting percentage of 61.6. So there are differences, but like overall, it's you know not like this huge gap. But that you know making him have a difficult time passing out of your traps. Making it a mm-hmm. making him a bit less efficient with the shots he gets off. That's the difference between winning and losing a series, uh, potentially, especially when the rest of the Sixers, uh, there are lots of questions about them. So my second point in this article um, about how the Raptors pull off this upset is that Pascal Siakam, not James Harden, is the second best player in this series. Uh, yeah. And yeah. I think we've already talked about Siakam, uh, and we'll continue to, but we got a question from Paul Anderson says, do you believe, uh, with the rest that Harden, that Harden and, and all the players, of course, uh, mm-hmm. got in between the end of the regular season, and the playoffs, will he come out with more life and vigor and cause more issues for the Raptors? Uh, so that I mean that, that, that yeah. this is a question and that this is a valid question to me says everything about Harden's season and also his season with the Sixers. You know what I mean? Like the fact that we're actually questioning if this player who's, you know, uh, one of the best players we've seen. Yeah, ha- Hall of Famer, <laughs> um, like whatever you want to say about his playoff <laughs> career, like obvious Hall of Famer, <clears throat> one of the greatest guards, uh, most productive guards we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I do think that it, it could help him because I think – um, looking at his season, whenever he has had rest, he has, you know, come started his first game back, first couple games back. He has been more active and had more energy and had better games, you know. Uh, but I think you kind of when you touched on the Pascal being the second best player, um, I think that's true as well. But I also think a big thing is going to be who is more of a facilitator and playmaker for their team. Like who's going to be the better playmaker? Is it going to be Pascal or is it going to be Harden? Because Harden being the playmaker, even when he's not like his scoring self, is very scary to me. Like Harden as the playmaker scares me. Yeah, I did a, not a Q&A, but a back and forth with Sixers writer Rich Hoffman. Also, you can find that at The Athletic. And he said two things that were, were very interesting. And let's see if my COVID brain can remember them. Uh, <laughs> the first thing is um, he said what you just said. When the, oh, the, be- okay. the best that he, that Harden has looked as a sixer is following the all-star break, which was following that mm-hmm. time he sat mm-hmm. out with injury. Um, and as, as the schedule got a bit busier, his burst and his productivity, you know, regardless of aesthetics, certainly jumped uh, uh, or certainly trailed off a little bit. Uh, and he was not very good in either of those games against the Raptors. The second thing was actually a question or, or a point about the Raptors is he was saying if he were the Raptors, he would leave like the complicated schemes and all this, you know, defending and trapping and, and, and all of that, that should be for for Embiid. Uh, mm-hmm. For Harden, what he's done, even though he continues, the numbers say he continues to be a very effective isolation player, if he has to beat you with his step back uh, or at the rim, the numbers say this year that he has not been as effective as in the past at doing that. And the eye test certainly says that he is not as effective as a scorer as he has been. Like mm-hmm. he still had whatever it was, 15 assists or something like that against um against the Raptors uh in that last game. 
but he was plainly not much of a scoring threat. So mm-hmm. I, I'm not that interested in who guards Harden. I think we'll see a bit of, you know, the main guys on him. It will be Siakam. It will be uh, Ananobi, I'm sure, will get mm-hmm. the first and longest cracks, but like only four or five players guarded Harden more than Scotty Barnes this season uh, in terms of possessions. So all of those guys are going to get a chance. But how much, like, we, if you remember that Houston game, uh, like, all those years ago, when they were basically doubling James Harden once he crossed half court and making him pass it, and Ben McLemore was hitting a bunch of open threes. We're not going to... What year are we talking about? I think that, I think this- that was the, bu- the bubble year. Um, Is, so not the, not the Kawhi year. I think it was 2019-20. Uh, in okay, December. Got it, got it. Uh, so they like completely took the ball out of his <laughs> hands. You are not oh, beating Oh gosh, that. I hated that game. I do remember that game. Ben McLemore was amazing. Yeah. Uh, so the yeah, Raptors I do go- remember that The game. Raptors aren't going to do that against James Harden right. in the series. I guess my question is where on the continuum would you like to see the Raptors be between we'll switch everything basically, but we're guarding him one on one. And mm-hmm. we'll provide help if he beats the first guy. So basically normal no, man to def- man-to-man defense versus something like that extreme, which we saw two and a half years ago. Or yeah, no, I definitely, I can't, I, th- I agree with um, Rich. Rich, yeah. did you say it was Rich? Yeah, I, ag- I agree with him for sure on this. Uh, the thing that scares me about this, I mean, obviously there's a lot of things that scare me about the Sixers. And I'm not trying to say that James Harden couldn't suddenly show up and drop 35 and 15 um, because he could, <laughs> you know, that's always a threat with a player like this. But what scares me with Harden is um, him being the playmaker and getting their other shooters involved. I think that that is a bigger threat to me than just letting Harden do what he's doing when you're also obviously going to be focused on on Joel and, and needing to try to make everything as difficult as possible on him. And if there is a player, funny enough, if there is a player on the Sixers that makes me nervous outside of Joel, it's Maxi. <laughs> uh, yes. He is, which I may be jumping a little bit ahead here, but yeah, he is, uh, the way I put it in my conversation with Rich is he's too big of a factor to be called an X factor. Um, like he he's not the main story, but he's not. I almost feel not, like Harden is more of an X factor, which sounds crazy, but like Harden, you're kind of it's more it, of an depend- unknown. I think I you think, don't know yeah. what you're gonna get, yeah. right? Like, um, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense to And me. I feel like that's disrespectful to say about a player of I mean, his you caliber. Can only, but do you know what I mean, You can only right? watch the like, game with your eyes. None of us, you know, yeah. would be shocked if, if Harden so, puts up 25, 15, and 8 games. Like, he, he has that. So what do him. you think? Like, like I want to flip this question back around on you. What what uh, what do you think the Raptors yeah, should Yeah, I, I think the right thing is to let your, uh, uh, you know, something that Nick Nurse said before the season – or early in the season, at least, was the point of having all these interchangeable defenders isn't necessarily to throw all these weird traps at you. Eventually, we want all these guys to be able to look their assignments, whether they're stars or not, square in the eyes, and just guard them. And Mm -hmm. I think, you know, the specter of, oh, that's James Harden, and this is how we've prepared for him in the past, uh, makes you say, or, or at least think, well, maybe this Raptors team isn't ready for that. Maybe they need all that scheming and all that help to beat somebody as experienced and capable as James Harden. But I kind of want to see it from Harden. I want to see him beat those guys. I want to see him... You want to make him force the Raptors make into him do it a few times. A change yeah, before, before yeah. you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. change. Uh, um, that that sort of would be my approach. Um, mm-hmm. That's not to say you keep on doing the same thing over and over again. Like Harden is so smart. That's part of yeah. part of his. <laughs> you know what makes him so great. So you can't just say one on one every time down the bo- every time down the court and because uh, he's going to figure that out. But I think yeah, he, I think you need to with, lean in that with, direction. The other thing with Harden that is a concern, and I think a valid concern, is free throws and foul trouble. <laughs> uh, he's pretty good at that, even though he's not um, 
the same player he was a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, with respect to with respect to that, um, that could be a concern. Uh, yeah, the Sixers in general game. shooting free throws. Yeah. Um, I uh, and you segue into my next point, which I, I'm not sure. Wow. Yeah, no, uh, it's almost like you read your my article. I know you didn't, but uh, um, I, I actually did not. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna say, uh, usually we have like a pretty, you know cohesive rundown and today we thought we would just go through <laughs> the things that matter the series without a rundown and it's kind of working out wow i'm surprised pleasantly surprised um, continue so the Sorry. third the third uh, key <laughs> to a raptors upset is that the referees err toward letting them play instead of go- calling games tightly um <laughs> Was this really your key uh yes um and okay. let now Let's say out front, there will be different referees on every game. There will be different fields in every game. There will be a different line. Listen, I get nervous even mentioning officiating yeah. and the playoffs and the Raptors and the Sixers. Yeah, I don't, I don't like it playoffs either. And the Raptors and the officials and the playoffs and the Raptors because uh, it gets very yeah. Uh, let's not and let's not all put it in the referees. I, I, I on the referees. Right. I, I worded it a bit tongue in cheek there, uh, but. A key to the Raptors' defense this year, it sort of felt like my my throat squeaked a bit there. I, I definitely went higher pitch than I'm used to. A key toward the uh, <laughs> improvement defensively is as the year went on, fouls and free throw rate went way up across the league. So you can understand how mm-hmm. the teams are committing more fouls, teams are shooting more free throws. Um, <clears throat> to begin the year, the Raptors uh, were ranking... 20th in uh sorry 21st in opponent free throw rate uh after after that cleveland game again which is just a line of delineation i am making for the sake of ease (laughs) they improved to the 13th lowest opponent free throw rate basically they were fouling less they were you know putting teams on the line a little bit less often which uh, I shouldn't say that actually, because the free throw rate actually did go up. It just didn't go up anywhere near what the league average did. Uh, so the Raptors found a way to curb their fouling habits. Uh, so part of that is the referees, but part of that is knowing your game plans. And this comes. Do you feel confident that they will continue to not? fall back on fouling in the playoffs. So so Nick Nurse said he ski he they actually uh they actually what's the word? Uh teach it basically. They drill it uh how to and I think they were talking particularly particularly about James Harden and the way he has in the past stuck out his arms so you mm-hmm. can foul him across them uh even yeah. though you're you're just trying to make some <coughs> trouble at the ball. And they 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 can scheme for the or not scheme again. They can they can practice that. Um, of course, it's one thing to do it in the regular season, uh, and it's one thing to do it in the playoffs. I think both coaches they're, they're not Brad Stevens out there. They'll both be on the referees rather enthusiastically. Um, I would say uh, Harded and B Siakam Van Vliet to different levels are all in the referees ears all game i would almost be surprised i I, I think nick nurse said today uh what was the line he used he said it he said it was going to be a very physical series i'll i'll find the exact phrasing in a bit um i would be surprised if the referees aren't calling it very tightly in game one Mm -hmm. but i expect that first of all i expect the raptors to get better as the series goes along because uh, that's generally what they do. And, and second of all, I think that will vary from game to game. And and uh, so that's sort of how I see it. Where are you? I <laughs> I don't even know why I'm going through with this. I'm definitely going to ask for this to be cut, but here we go. <laughs> uh, hearing you talk about the playoffs and the intensity and the difference between a regular season and the postseason, I'm going to make a comparison here that I don't think anyone has ever made. And I don't even know why I'm doing this but this is where my brain is and i you don't can always you can always you, you can always get off the the road now you can take an exit it's right there for you <laughs> i feel like i have to commit even if it's just to all right go go on be, get on be with honest it. with myself 
Uh, so I watched the show called The Vampire Diaries, which, which may be a surprise to you. This was a few years ago. I fell into it, like binged them all. Yeah. It, it's an absurd show. It's about vampires. I mean, how can it not be? It got pretty bad uh, as it continued, but uh, but I stuck it out. Yeah. Uh, one of the few who did. Anyway, there's this there's this word that they always use in that show as you turn into a vampire and you describe your senses and whatever. And it, it got to the point where every time it would happen, I would like be like, God, this should be a drinking game, and you should drink every time they say your senses are heightened, your experiences <laughs> are heightened. And hearing you talk about the playoffs was making me feel like. Yeah, every like instinct you have is heightened. All of the like teachings and and things that your coaching staff has tried to drill in you is heightened. But also the importance of every possession is heightened. <laughs> so you're like fighting with yourself to be like don't stick your arm out, like don't put yourself in a position for Harden to like go to you or bait you into a foul. But at the same time, you have the instinct of don't let him score here. Don't let him get going here. Don't let him make the right pass because you know how much each possession means, each point means, but also you don't want to let him get going. So it's that like push and pull. I don't know why I'm comparing the playoffs to Vampire Diaries. No, it it worked. And and to your credit, (laughs) Nick Nurse also compared the playoffs to the Vampire. No, I'm joking. Uh, But he did. (laughs) That would have been, that would have, I would have fallen on the floor. Uh, That would have happened. But he did say that it's probably harder in the playoffs for the reason you put out. Like whether it's, you know, Mitt, (laughs) every possession matters more or you just feel more urgency to make a play, you know, the types of plays the Raptors often make, like think about the way Gary Trent defends, right? Like he's always reaching. He's always, you know, trying to disrupt the ball. He's going to try. He's going to go for it. Yeah. Yeah, So, which is great. And I love that, but it's also scary in the playoffs because Gary, Gary, um, you have to, (laughs) it has to be disciplined. It has to be well-timed. And I think, it's probably safe to say that's something that's going to take a while for the Raptors to figure out like that would. But you know what? I, I trust this team so much more going into this series than I would have if you talked to me, you know, two months, two months ago, like kind of going back to what you said at the beginning of the podcast, when you were talking about yeah. their identity and how it feels like they've really like found that. I also and maybe I will be completely proven wrong and we'll have to talk about this next week. But I know as stressful as the postseason is, and especially for like a guy like Scotty, who's never seen the postseason, you know, like there are nerves, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just feel like they know themselves or they know their identity so well. Like they're so, it is so ingrained in them at this point that I do trust this team not to suddenly fall apart in ways that I have not trusted a Raptors team in the postseason in the past. Partic- Where in, are you? And particularly that? young Raptors teams. A young yeah, team, yeah, yeah. yes. A young a young team. Where are you with that? Like, do you think I'm being, I mean, I know you usually think I'm being too positive, but I don't know. I just feel like, and especially because so much of that identity this entire season has been defensively you know it has been rebounding and running and creating turnovers and you know just messing things up for for the other team that um you know i don't want to i don't want to simplify it to just hustle plays but um i don't think that's going to change because in the postseason your defense only becomes more important so like where where are you with, yeah with what i, I think saying? i'm sort of in between like your perspective and like oh my god they're gonna fold um i i oh great <laughs> yeah no i i'm in between there eric corinne they could finish between fifth and 13th and they could be incredibly poised or oh my god they're gonna fold uh no they'll, they'll be somewhat <laughs> poised that's the prediction uh put it on the philadelphia 76ers bulletin board the raptors will be somewhat poised says raptors um I don't I think know. Maybe, uh, my maybe point I is, will, I think yeah. they'll figure it out as the series goes on. But mm-hmm. the way, like, they're just, you know, not only with the fouling and what we're talking about specifically, but like, you know, the 76ers, like, the first two things on the scouting report is going to be get back in transition. And mm-hmm. that's, and you can say that's always true, but you don't have time in the regular season to really. Think about it like that. And the playoffs are already when transition, you know, becomes a limited uh, 
more limited transition opportunities. Yeah, well, that's what scares me so, is, like, the Raptors... I guess do the Raptors... In half court. Yeah, do the Raptors have the patience... I mean, for they have to try. That's not to say you don't try to get it... To get the ball moving in transition. But mm-hmm. if the 76ers are, you know, 10% more alert than they are in the regular season when it comes to uh, limiting live ball turnovers, um, do the Raptors have the patience to deal with the added physicality, to deal with, you know, the scoreless droughts uh, that will come with a lot of half-court possessions in a row and, and not get down on themselves. And that's, you know, I, I have varying degrees of faith in different players, but, like, this isn't a team <laughs> that is swimming in postseason experience or shooting. Mm-hmm. And, like, shooting, like, supreme shooting talent is sort of, the one thing that can overcome that lack of half-court experience, and the Raptors don't have it. Like, so that's more than anything what makes me nervous about the Raptors' ability Mm -hmm. to adjust to, quote-unquote, playoff basketball. Yeah, it's funny because coming into this, I was like, yeah, I feel really good about <laughs> about the Raptors. And I've noticed that I've said, that's what scares me, like six times already. <laughs> so I didn't realize there were six things that scared me. But uh, yeah, here we are. Uh, that will be my next writer, my next column. Six things that scare me about this series. Um... <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. This seems like a good time to briefly talk about Matisse Thibel. Uh, He's not Uh, eligible to play in Toronto because he only got one, uh, as he said. He took uh, one Pfizer dose, uh, got sick. It's so frustrating to me. Mm -hmm. Sorry to interrupt you. I was was hoping to avoid this conversation, uh, but you, you go on. Yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, this is just this is not even about Matisse. It's just like a bigger picture. Um, I don't know if this is the proper role of of media, and I don't even know if if this could happen. But it's so frustrating to me when these situations come up. We know what they are. You will go into detail. It's fine. We don't need to like go back and forth on that. I'm sure people know our thoughts. That's fine. Um, it's so frustrating when these situations come up that it gives players. It gives. Yeah, I mean, yeah, okay. It gives players an opportunity to say things, which everyone should have a right to say their um, opinion, I guess. But the problem <laughs> is, is it's giving an opportunity to to there's there's a there's a point where an opinion is an opinion, and an opinion can't be right and wrong, sure. But there are also facts, and some of these quotes have um, have. They're, they can be misunderstood or, or, or facts are misinterpreted. And when these statements come out, then everyone's reporting on what the player said, as they should, because that's the job of a reporter to report what's being said. I get that. But it makes me wonder, and I'm not in these rooms because I haven't been covering anything live this season. It makes me wonder, is there an opportunity for a reporter to respond with a fact i mean it probably doesn't make a difference but it's just frustrating to me that every time this comes up and it's come up more than once and i understand the why you have to ask and get a quote but then it seems like we have a whole news cycle of seeing quotes that um are not accurate yeah uh specifically he says one uh once he got sick after the first uh dose he can he wanted to treat it uh i forgot the word he used as um, in a more natural way, uh, and I ju- I would just say, you know, nobody ever said that the Pfizer 
Like, at any point, nobody said that the Pfizer dose would be effective solely on one dose. Uh, it was always also, a two, just anytime, two dose thing. I do feel it's important to say that if someone thinks, why should I do this because I think I'll be okay, it's not always about you. Yeah, for sure. If you're lucky enough to have a great immune system, amazing. Not everybody does. That's all I will say on that. Uh, how big uh, of a sorry, how big of a factor? <laughs> which was the question I was going to ask you. Do you think yeah, those thigh bells? I think it'll be a big factor. Yeah. Defensively, I think it'll be a big factor. Yeah. Um. Sorry, I didn't mean to take us down that road, but uh, well, sometimes you have to walk down the path that uh, is there for you. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think, like, he's a real factor in terms of guarding Siakam. Like, I'm sure he'd get some of that Mm -hmm. assignment, but, like, he he gives up four inches. He's probably not the guy that you want. But he makes a huge difference in terms of guarding Van Vliet and Gary Mm -hmm. Trent. Like, Mm -hmm. I think Gary Trent in particular is going to have a really tough time at the start of this series, or or at least is going to have to deal with with that guy who, you know, full disclosure, I put on... He really bothers him, I put on one of my all-defense teams this year um, because he is such a smart and active defender. And, Mm -hmm. you know, when he's not out there, it means your guard rotation is Danny Green and and, uh, Tyrese Maxey. And then you're, and James Harden. And James Harden is, you know, often like, we're switching everything unless it involves Embiid. And like the Raptors offense for as, you know, the half court offense for as clumsy as it can be, they love attacking mismatches. And if you've got mm-hmm. one more weak defender out there, it means you've got one more mismatch to create an attack. And, and that yeah. is a big deal for the Raptors. I also, I also think even beyond just, um, specific matchups and impact i think it's it is not ideal to have to go into a series knowing that the way you can start your lineup in the first two games however it goes you have to switch it up and you're going to lose a player who is a part of your rotation you know like yeah not ideal so yeah i do think that that is an issue for the sixers that being said it's an issue that could have been um negated so um that's all we need to say on that. Question from Matt Jenkinson. Do you think Scotty Barnes' inexperience will be used against him by the 76ers, <laughs> or can he continue to be a strong player for the Raptors throughout the playoffs? We Yeah, we sort of touched on this. Uh, I think they'll probably try to. I think that uh, that's the smart thing to do. But I, I feel like with Scotty, the thing that has made him so special this year is there have been stretches where he hasn't been very good at one thing and then he's just found a way to do something else or uh, when he's looked unsure or had, you know, an off shooting night or hasn't even like looked to shoot, he'll get offensive rebounds or he'll play really good defense or, you know, he's just, I, I don't think that you can really game plan to take away those parts of yeah. someone's game. And I think he will still, even if his numbers aren't like glowing or he does look unsure, I still think that he, can make an impact when he's on the floor. So I don't worry about that as much as I maybe would with a lot of other rookies. Yeah, the most interesting thing to me is, let's say the Raptors start with their usual starting lineup. I would guess that Embiid will be on Scotty Barnes to start because he's the mm-hmm. he's the least of the shooting threats, basically, and it allows him to, Embiid, him, to, to be more. at yeah. the, to more easily be at the rim. Um. Yeah. So we saw, I asked Pascal Siakam about this today and, and, you know, he gave the general, like, I'm always aggressive at, you know, you have to read what the defense is giving you, but like he was a guy, a young player, or, or let's say a relatively inexperienced. Sorry, sorry, they asked you. I asked Pascal. Pascal. Um, okay. He was a guy in 2019 who was relatively inexperienced and from games two to seven, the 76ers put Joel Embiid on Pascal Siakam. That was the main matchup. Mm -hmm. And Siakam Mm -hmm. had a very difficult time navigating what to do with that sort of, you know, they were sort of daring him to either shoot or use that cushion as a runway. And Pascal got stuck in between sometimes. His, you know, his jumper just Mm -hmm. hadn't developed to the same place. Uh, and the push shot certainly hadn't developed the same place where they are now. And for a guy who loves to pass and loves to make plays for others, I guess my question 
regarding Barnes is one Embiid is guarding him. How is he making himself fit in, uh, especially when he gets the ball, but also like that he's enough of a threat so that Embiid can't just get comfortable hanging out a foot outside the rim, ready to help whenever there's a driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, well, <laughs> I guess we'll see. You know, I mean, <laughs> but yeah, I just, for sure. It's just like, that's my, because I love, I love Barnes. That's your concern. I love yeah. Barnes' mentality. Like, I think he'll, he'll find a way, like, much like we've said about the Raptors in general. But like, that is like the X's and O's question that, you know, as smart and as, as energetic as a guy is you have to mm-hmm. figure that out in real time and, and you're you're figuring it out in real time against one of the best defenders in the league i do feel like scotty has shown an amazing ability to adapt and a basketball intelligence that is like way far beyond his years and experience so his ability to like learn something or be told something and then adjust really quickly I think has stood out a lot this year so that'll definitely be put to the test as as you said it'll be interesting to see how that um if that continues uh you mentioned you said that you thought if they do change the starting lineup it would be Scotty to come off the bench yeah is that correct yeah um it would be interesting to see if that affects him at all you know like sometimes players are fine coming off the bench sometimes that can rattle them you know i i don't i guess i just am not really worried about scotty i don't know maybe that's a huge blind spot that i have but i just feel like he can impact a game in many ways in little ways and i don't I just don't worry about him as much. Maybe that's my mistake. Uh, I, I'm generally with you. I, I'm just thinking about the matchups and and having mm-hmm. a little little question, little tiny question. Um, by the way, do you want to hear the list of the last 10 players who in their rookie seasons played at least 15 minutes per game in the playoffs? <laughs> sure. Uh I, I tell you this because it's going to take us back further than you think because it doesn't happen very often. So in 2020, sure. it was Michael Porter Jr. and Tyler Hero. So that means there was nobody last year who did that. Um, in 2018, there were three guys, Jason Tatum, Ben Simmons, and do you have any quick guesses? No, because I can't think of years. OG Ananobi. Um, wow. And two, Listen, why isn't Luca? Is was Luca not? In they didn't the make the playoffs in his rookie season. See, that's the problem. The problem is that this is coinciding with the pandemic, and yeah. I can't remember. And, so the bubble was not his rookie year. Yeah. Okay. 2016. Josh Richardson and Justice Winslow, both on the Miami Heat team that the Raptors beat. Mm-hmm. 2014. Mm-hmm. Stephen Adams, wow. uh, and then 2013. We have to go all the way back there for Harrison Barnes and Draymond Green, who played at least 15 minutes Gosh. for their team. It, do, it just doesn't, like, I didn't really no, know what to expect I when I looked at, at it. And I knew, like, obviously teams that have very good rookies and contributing rookies usually, usually aren't, usually aren't playoffs, making yeah. long or significant playoff runs. But, like, for it to be that rare kind of surprised me. That's all. No, that is pretty crazy. Uh, and I think Scotty Barnes is going to average yeah. more than 15 minutes in this series, Holly. Yeah, so it's another one of my hot takes <laughs> I, they can put up on the on the Sixers <laughs> bulletin so. board. <laughs> uh, I think so. Quickly yeah. before we get to our predictions, uh, my fourth and fifth points: Fred VanVleet has to be healthy enough to be super annoying. Um, and by that, uh, I think we already got into the transition. Uh, but but we saw or. Uh, you know, William Liu of, of the Raptor show on Fan 590 did that super clip of the game. He forced 11 turnovers. Uh, he is just very <laughs> respond Whether he gets the steals himself or initiates the play that creates the steal, mm-hmm. he is so responsible for getting the Raptors that turnover and getting them into the position to be running. And if his knee isn't healthy mm-hmm. enough to, you know, whether it's digging down on Embiid in the post, which obviously is one of the best in the league at doing that, uh, whether it's uh, helping as a as a help defender uh, on a drive from Harden or somebody else, or, or Maxi, uh, who I'll give you the floor to talk about a bit after this. Uh, 
he needs to be healthy enough to do that. I'm not expecting him to be like, you know, slicing up the defense and, 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 you know, I, I have a lot of faith in his clutch shot making ability, but it, you know, he's obviously not been as good in that element as he was in the first half of the season, but they really need him on defense. Yeah, it's interesting because the same question that you posed about Harden getting the rest and how that would affect him uh, kind of makes me think about Fred. I mean, I don't know, I don't know how many days it'll be like since he last played, but it's over a week, right? Yeah, he last like eight or nine. He days. last played against Atlanta on that. Tuesday, and so it will be to the next Saturday. So we're looking at ten, Almost ten two off weeks? days until in between games. Oh, so not too okay. So like, yeah, that's a pretty good break for any player during the run of the season and especially at this part of the season. Um, I don't think he's magically going to, you know, feel as good as he did at the start when the season started. Uh, but I hope that that will uh, be, you'll be able to see an impact uh, from his time off. But I think the biggest thing with Fred is that you, we've talked so many times about how you kind of have to protect him from himself. Cause he's never gonna, he's never going to give in to mm-hmm. pain or injury or any of those things. But in the postseason, if he's out there, if there's an opportunity, he's going to find a way to, to make it happen. I think so. Um, yeah, I really hope he's able to, because I know how much it'll bother him <laughs> if he can't impact the game the way that he wants. But yeah, it's pretty important. If he, isn't able to do the things that make him um, kind of lead this this defense of the Raptors uh, to get out and run and get extra possessions and extra points. Extra possessions is going to be so important. I mean, it, it has um, been all, it has been all year, all yeah. season, but especially um, in this postseason and especially against the Sixers. And the Sixers are so good at rebounding that you know any way that you can get those extra possessions. That the Raptors have been so good at offensive rebounding that like if those opportunities are going to come down, those steals and things like that, forcing turnovers is going to become even more important. So yeah, I think that's a crucial a crucial thing. Um, I obviously we cannot see the future, so I don't know. Um, I hope that the uh, time off will help him. And yeah, I think if he can, you know, do those things that you mentioned, that helps the Raptors a lot. Uh, this, Without that, it's difficult. Just one point of correction: the Sixers have actually been a very mediocre offense or uh, rebounding team. I feel like they've been really good. Uh, they haven't. Um, Maybe I'm just thinking of Embiid. Yeah, I mean he's a monster, but like his presence. But yeah. The the Raptors, I believe, killed them on the glass in that win in Philly in, in March. The- uh, yeah. I think a little less so this last game, but uh, they're not a particularly good uh, rebounding team. Uh, so that is, I mean, that I think be- that goes. I think that goes to show just how um, dominant Embiid is and his presence. Because to me, that's something that I worry about. <laughs> like, I just feel like he's gonna gobble. Everything I mean, he, up. he yeah, might, no, which is I, why it's so important for that- the Raptors, in part, to bring him uh, bring him out from, yeah. from the rim. Yeah. Um, Quick Van Vliet question, and this will allow you to talk about uh, Tyrese Maxey. Uh, would you rather Van Vliet on Maxey or on Danny Green slash Thibault so he, he can be more of that helper? And, and just what in particular scares you about Maxey? Uh, he's really good. And he... Yeah, I, I think that you have to... I think I would prefer Fred on Maxey, even with... Um, the limitations that you just mentioned, just because uh, he's the guy on this on the Sixers that can really get out and run and um, push the ball. He's you know a great finisher at the rim, and that concerns me. Um, and I think that's something that the Raptors will need to try to like limit and contain as best as they can. And that's why I would think I would want Fred on him um, if he's able to take on that task. Yeah, I think any chance they have to put Van Vliet on Thibel, I would do that. But the Sixers don't have a lot of non-shooters uh, on the outside other than that. So, mm-hmm. uh, because like, you know, I don't care if Fred leaves Thibel, uh, because I want him creating all the chaos he can inside uh, defensively. But you can't really do that with Danny Green or Maxi. Um or certainly Harden. Um, but yeah, that should, uh, yeah, Maxi is scary. And I would say if the Raptors have a defensive weakness, like a player type weakness, it is those like quicker jitter buggy yeah. guards, like 
you know, Trey Young being the most obvious example. Like the the Raptors are least equipped to to guard those players. Weirdly, uh, with a roster that has no seven footer, they're perhaps less equipped to uh, guard six foot two really fast guys. Uh, last point. Uh, and I'll form it as a, in the phrase of the question. I would say for the Raptors to win this series, the Raptors need one of Precious Achua or Chris Boucher to, as I put it, pop in this series, uh, to, you know, have a few games where they're, they're making mm-hmm. everything, uh, or, or at least a lot of things. Who do you have more faith in going into the playoffs in terms of being a consistent, uh, producer? Yeah, I think I think this is a series for Precious to continue building on um, the strong strides he's made to close out the season. And I think I would have said that regardless of who the opponent was, just based on his play. But especially knowing the defensive job that he or the defensive effort, I should say, he can um, give against Joel. I I'm really curious to see what Pascal what what Pascal what Precious can do in this series. What about you? Um, so I agree. It would be great if the answer were precious, uh, because he is a more <laughs> important defensive part, uh, sp- specifically for this series. Chris Boucher has a history of really doing nasty things to the Sixers, though. I had a few fans in my mention, cause I mentioned that, uh, you know, I'm sure that the Sixers will be letting the likes of Achua and Boucher and and, yeah, that is a and Thad Young and Scotty Barnes take threes. And a few fans, Sixers fans, were like, I hope we don't let Chris Boucher take those shots. And, you know, in my mind, I'm like, what shots are you going to be trying to allow if you're not, you know, sort of living with <laughs> Chris Boucher three-pointers? Like, not every possession can be a 24-second shot clock violation, my dudes. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I, I think... It would be great if it were a Chua. I'm not sure what the answer is. Another uh, just getting out of the way of actually answering my own questions. Um, my last question, I promise to answer this. Who you got? Raptors in six. I picked Sixers in seven. Uh, I really think it's super even. And at the end of the day, Joel Embiid. Yeah, yeah. That's, uh, I'm realizing I'm much more scared than I thought I was going through this. I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a great matchup uh, for the Raptors. I, I think they can do a lot of damage, and I just think they were going to be the underdog in any of the first round series. This is is probably the mm-hmm. most desirable of all of those, and yet it is. Unless I'm super super confident in everything else, it's hard for me to pick against the team that has the best player and i'm just not mm-hmm. quite there on on mainly let's face it the half court offense um i, I just have yeah I, I just think there will be a few too many scoring ruts that that will doom them ultimately but you know this is i say sixers and seven as as an ultimate like i wouldn't be surprised i mean hopefully a seven game pick lets you know how certain i am of that yeah, the the nightmare scenario would be like a five or six minute scoring drought in the fourth quarter. Like that, that would be, oh my God, I feel like I'm going to vomit watching this game kind of scenario. And it's not off the board at all with this team. So that's, that's not great. I would prepare, <laughs> I would like, prepare I yourself this. for one or two of those a game. Hopefully not at the wrong time. Yeah, uh, not great. Uh, starting on the road is interesting. Uh you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Uh, I don't know. I just <coughs> sorry. Again, I'm not the one who's sick. I just really like this team, and maybe it's just that they've come up big in games when I didn't think that they should or would, or when there's been a lot of attention on them. Um, they've played relatively well against the Sixers this season, considering they've had players not available uh we'll see how things go obviously like i said who knows we just talked about harden being (laughs) not the guy watch him come out and have a huge monstrous game one um but yeah i'm gonna say raptors in six and uh i just get really worried about joel and bead i think that's a like what like when that's a rational concern i just picture him just uh Anyway, 
It's fine. I <laughs> I predict the Raptors in six. We'll see how it goes. Yep. And I think at the beginning of the season, if you would have told anybody that the Raptors were going to finish fifth, we're going to uh, face the Sixers in, in the first round, bypass the play-in tournament, if the Raptors would be in the playoffs and like the Lakers wouldn't, I think people would be like, you're crazy. Yeah, um, if you weren't taking that at the beginning of the season, I've... Uh... I think you have a perspective issue. Um, Anyway, that's it from us. We'll come back at you after game two of this series. Holly, thank you very much. Thanks for for sticking this out. I appreciate Uh, it. Yeah. We all appreciate Uh, it. (laughs) And listeners, thank you for listening. Please uh, continue to do so and follow uh, what I'm writing over at The Athletic. And we will talk to you after game two. See ya! Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.